Can you hear me? Amen. This is pretty fun. I don't I get to wear one of these often when I preach, but when I do, I feel freedom. Because, so you know, back home we have the camera crew, right? And every time they know I'm preaching, they say, all right, guys, get ready. We got to stay awake tonight because I'm moving left, moving right. Sometimes I juke the camera, you know. But um, it has been an honor uh, to be with you guys. And I can echo what he said. The short time, you're talking to my wife. I said, I feel, we've only, it feels like we've been here forever. Anybody feel that way? Like, this has been the longest couple days, you know. But it feel, yeah, longest day. I mean, yesterday we got home, we're like, this was only day one? Like this morning, it was tough, you know? It was like, do I have to get up? I can, you know. But uh, get to know everybody, get to know the names, to hear some of your stories. And I want, first, I want to say thank you once again to everyone that, that did the work to put this together. I know these aren't always easy. Uh, there's a lot of planning involved, and I think those that traveled uh, to be here, um, you know, so the fact that you're here, says a lot about you. You had every choice, every op- option, I'm sure, but you're here. And I, that says a lot about you as, as, a, as a person there. And I'm re- very grateful for that. My wife and I have enjoyed it. We, we enjoyed every bit of it. Thank you for the, the main event was perfect today. That was an awesome place. You know, there's some places I wish, I look, I'm like, man, I wish Longview had this. This would be so awesome. And so I tried bowling for a while, but my kids didn't last very long, so we moved over into laser tag, and that worked really well. And you guys play laser tag today? Any of you actually win? I know that, that was tough. You actually won laser tag, the whole thing. Man, man, look at this. Do you believe them? How many of you guys believe these guys? <laughs> but yeah, so that was fun, but I do, want to, I do appreciate everything. Um, the music has been awesome. The song leading has been great. Sometimes I gotta admit, brother. Sometimes I feel like you're mad at me. It's like he's not—he's mad because he sees me not singing. He's like, sing! <laughs> no, but I, I really enjoy your spirit. Uh, it's awesome, and I, I like it. Like he said, it's gonna be hard for us to go home because I felt like we've just gotten to know each other. But then, like you said, it feels like we've known each other forever. You know, just how quick the relationships start, and I appreciate that. Um, tonight, I do want to uh, bring a subject that's near dear to my heart. Um, and I think it's a subject that I do believe that is interwoven between, you know, among, you know, in all the message that, messages that you've heard up to this point. And I be- do believe that this is something that I believe that will make the difference in your spirit, make the difference in your heart, make the difference in your attitude and everything. And so before I get started, we'll pray and I'll just have you have a seat and then um, I'll read some scripture and then we'll just get into it. OK, but I would ask this is that you put everything aside. Disconnect from everything, all right? And let's get connected to the Word. And I want you to not think about the person next to you, not think about the person to the right of you. I want you to think about you. And this isn't the time to play anymore. This isn't the time to fall asleep, although I know it's tough. But if I understand, we've got some good stuff waiting for you after this, okay? So if you, st- if you fall asleep, you get to stay in here while everybody else is outside, okay? <laughs> but... Open up your heart and let God do the work that he is going to do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, come before Lord. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've given us to come and gather around your word. Lord, to, uh, from the music, Lord, uh, the song could not have been so perfect. I have been blessed, Father. Lord, to realize how good you have been to us, Father, and how we take even the smallest of things for granted. God, I thank you for the fact that we come together now. And we get to gather on your word for one final message, Lord, uh, on this retreat here. And that God, I pray that you would have your way. 
Speak to hearts, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 7. Sorry, chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. Okay. You guys heard him. He said he's losing his mind. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. When the pastor's losing his mind, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Armando can take the church, right? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And I want you guys to look at it. And let's read this together on a count of three. One, two, three. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I want us to read it again. I felt like half of you got it. Maybe I'll give you some time to get to it. Are you there? If you're there, shout amen. Amen. All right. I want you to read this. Now read this. All right. Read this scripture with me. Okay. Ready? As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I want to echo a little bit of what you have heard from Brother Jared, from what you have heard from Pastor, from what you have heard from Pastor Mike Martin, and we've heard it throughout the songs, and you've heard it probably through testimony. You know, even today with the discussion of social media, to me, that God definitely used that moment. And I'm so thankful for those that have, are willing to take the 30-day challenge in January of no social media. You know, some of you are still choking about that one, but no social media for 30 days. And when you have the urge to look at whatever social media that you would look at, go to prayer, go to scripture, and let God do what he's going to do. You know, build the relationships with God, family, and friends. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. But let me tell you something. As teenagers, and Brother Jared said it too, if you're not careful, you can become prideful. And how do I know this? Well, I was a teenager before. I sat where you sat. I did what you did. I was in church since I was seven. You know, some of you were born in church, but I was in church since I was seven. I grew up in church. But as I read this scripture, let me remind you of this, and we've talked about it a little bit, is that not all of us are guaranteed the next moments of life. Right now, you might be okay. Please don't play around. Look up here, please. Friends don't let friends get distracted, all right? To be a good friend. But think about this. If you were to die right now, would you be satisfied with your life? Well, I'm just 13. I've known known of 13s that have passed away. I've known of 7-year-olds that have passed away. You think you have time, but you don't. And if I could remind you as a teenager, listen, don't fight the Lord. Let him do what he's going to do. But sometimes we can become so prideful, become selfish, and think we got this down, that we discount the importance of the life we've been given. If you were to die right now, would you be satisfied with your life? The last thing you said to your parents, would you, would you regret those words? Did you argue with your parents before you came tonight? What's your relationship with them like? Your youth pastor? I don't think we realize sometimes, the Bible says, it is appointed to man once to die. And when you come face to face with death, it changes everything. 
I'm not sure if any of you have ever experienced a life-changing moment, you know? And I have had what I thought were life-changing moments, but being in the same room with the snake wasn't quite the same. <laughs> but I've had friends who have had heart attacks and, and, and survived. I've had friends that get in horrible car accidents. They're paralyzed now, but they survived. And they look at me and say, you know, I never thought this would happen to me. I never thought this would, be, this would be who I, I never thought I would be paralyzed as a teenager. I never thought this would be me. And one teenager in particular, I remember him saying this, he said, I know why this happened because I was running from God. God tried to get my attention over and over and over and over, but I refused and refused and refused and refused, and I know now. But I'm paralyzed from, from, from the neck down. So whatever I got left, I'm going to use. Death could come today. And death is serious. And once you die, you cannot make any changes. You cannot, change, you cannot make any decision. It's done. So teenager, I ask, come face to face with the fact that you could die today. It is appointed unto man once to die, but you don't know that appointment, do you? But like he said, sometimes with pride, we'll fight it. Sometimes with pride, like he said, it's a challenge. Make me smile. I ain't going to make you smile. If you don't want to smile, don't smile. If you want to have a place like that, it's fine. Don't smile. You know, if you want to be like that, that's on you. But tell me, are you happy? Do you have that joy? And when I think of this, it reminds me of the most important decision you could ever make in your life. And the most important decision that you could ever make in your life is trusting Christ. Anybody agree with me on that? The most important decision you could ever make is trusting Christ. And you can only make that decision while you have breath, while you are alive. And throughout the sermons, you have heard through a solitary place we talked about that. If you're going to have a father-son, father-daughter relationship and have a good one, it's better if you're related. Amen? And then Brother, Brother Mike was talking about defending for the faith, right? Contending for the faith. But how can you contend for the faith if you have none? Amen. But this is one of those things that you have to answer for yourself. Not your friend, not your neighbor, you. Then we talked about truly God is good. And because God has been so good, why would you refuse him when it comes to salvation? You get what I'm saying? And the Bible talks about because of the hardness of your heart. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. And I'd like to share with you, some of you may have heard this when you were at teen convention, but I have to share this again because in my heart, this was what I believe the Lord directed my heart to. Some time ago, and as you've heard me say throughout the messages, God allowed me to experience the most wonderful experience I've ever experienced in my life, and is that of salvation. She said, what is salvation? 
what is salvation? And let me keep you awake a little bit. I thought there was Kool-Aid in that thing. I was going to kick it over. What is salvation? Can someone raise your hand and tell me, and I'm going to ask one of our youth here, what is salvation to you? What does salvation mean? What is salvation? What does that word mean? Anybody raise their hand if you're brave enough and just tell me what it means. Brother Josh. Okay. Being saved, having the gift of God of salvation. Trust in the Lord as your personal Savior. Sean? Trust in God to take you to heaven when you die. Brother David? You got it. Got it. Yes, Stephen. Trusting in the Trusting in God. Okay. You guys, answers are all correct. You know what salvation means? Salvation means to rescue. Okay? It means to rescue from harm, danger, or even death. Okay? That's what the word salvation means, to rescue. Now, let's put this into perspective. Armando. All right, let's see if you're smart, okay? You are smart. I believe it. You know, he sat on gum earlier. I hope those aren't the same pants, but, you know, he's okay. If he decides to stay seated, that's fine, you know? But if I was on a ship, well, let's say a little boat. That makes it more dramatic, right? I'm on a little boat in the middle of the ocean, right? I'm on the, I'm on, uh, I, I, I am in, this is not a good situation. And all of a sudden, I find there's a leak in the boat. Now, am I in trouble? Oh, come on, guys. Am I in trouble? Some of you guys are like, no, because I can swim anywhere I want. Come on, guys. This is the middle of the ocean, okay? Sharks. This is infested. I mean, this is bad. I'm miles and miles away, okay? You know, it could be bad. But sorry, the boat springs a leak, right? It starts to fill with water. Am I in trouble? There's sharks in the water, and they are hungry. Woo! And let's just say, I can swim, but not that good. Not fast enough to escape a shark, right? So my boat begins to, what, fill up. Am I in trouble? Yes. Am I facing harm? Yes. Am I facing danger? Yes. Am I facing death? Yes. Whew. I am in need of a Savior, aren't I? But then all of a sudden, a helicopter comes around, right? A helicopter, what is, if you were me, what would you be doing at that moment? You said yelling? Oh, no, yelling. Sorry. <laughs> I thought, sorry, I thought yelling. I'm like, is that like, I'm just joking. You'd be yelling. Now, show me how you'd be yelling if that were you. Go ahead. How would you be yelling? With that, you got it. Okay, so you would be yelling for help. You'd be screaming, help, help, help. I'm in danger. I'm in death. Help, help. I'm facing death. Help, help. Okay, and for some reason, some odd reason, that helicopter, through the noise that's going on, heard your voice. And if it was your voice, I'm sure they would have heard it. They heard the voice. And they looked down and see a poor little guy struggling on that little boat. Some of you are like, if that was Armando, leave him there. No. <laughs> But the helicopter comes over, throws down the rope ladder, which is probably the coolest thing. I've never done that, but one of these days, it's on my bucket list to be able to do that, you know? But don't go get on a boat. This is just a story here. <laughs> but then 
You grab onto the ladder. The helicopter takes you to safety. That is a picture of salvation. You were in danger. You were facing death. But you called out to something, and they saved you. As a sinner, the Bible says we're condemned to death. For the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, there is death. If there was no sin, there would be no death. But because of Adam in the garden, death passed upon all of us. Now we're all, the penalty is death for all. We're all going to die one day. But the Bible talks about that second death. All of us are going to die. You cannot escape that physical death. But that second death. Death in the lake of fire. Death could come today. And the question at this point that I want you to consider is, would you be rescued? Have you been rescued? Or will you wake up in hell? You say, well, I've been going to church all my life. I know the scriptures. It does not matter. Have you trusted Christ? Have you experienced salvation? Because that guy on the boat that got rescued, I guarantee when he got to land, guess what he was telling everybody? About the day he was what? Rescued. About the day he was saved. It is an, ex it is an experience that he will never, ever forget. There's no question about what happened that day. He was rescued. He was saved. And if you're saved and on your way to heaven, you must have had that same experience when Jesus Christ reached down and saved your soul and had that moment of salvation experience. And I talk about death because sometimes we have to be brought to reality that death could happen today. And let me tell a little bit about my story. Uh, I was, uh, once again, I told you about Nigeria. I got, had the opportunity to fly uh, to, on a missions trip to Nigeria. And I told the Lord some years ago that, God, if you would allow me, if you would provide the funds to be able to go, I will go and praise God. I've not had to pay for a single trip that every one of them God has provided. And, and every one of them I asked the Lord not only to do a work there, but to do a work here. But never did I think that I would be the one to come back as different as I did. And so I went to Nigeria, and of course going to Nigeria was not, it's not the same as Zimbabwe as we've been talking. It was, a it was about the same, but this one, they never let me out of the sight of the guards. So when, as soon as we hit the ground, we were with the pastor, and from the, the airport all the way to where we were staying, everywhere we were, there was a guard in the car, there was a, guard of car, a car of guards up front, and a car of guards in back, and it made me wonder what is happening around me. Like, it was really intense. The first place we stayed at, it was, it, was, it was a nice place. But once again, I'm grateful for air condition. I'm grateful for windows. And I'm grateful for the fact that, you know, I don't have big lizards inside the room. I don't have spiders up on the ceiling. I and mean, it was one of those things to where I pulled back the sheets and put the sheets back over and said, you know what? I like the way it looks right here. I'm going to sleep just like that. I mean, it made me so grateful for things as small as a toilet that flushes. A toilet that flushes. That was, to me, was like, praise God for that. No running water once again. I found myself in a situation of going days without showers, which was incredible. You know, when I finally took a shower, people were like, who are you? Because I was like three shades whiter, you know? It was pretty bad. And once again, the Lord kind of convicted my heart again. It's like, man, I take things for granted. 
And so we got there, and the first day we went and we preached at some of the schools and, and preached the gospel to the schools, and that was an amazing experience as well. And then, of course, that Saturday, I believe, we got to go to a, a, a college that they had. So once again, we preached there. And some of those moments were like, you had no clue if you were going to preach, if you were going to teach, or what was going to happen. You just had to be ready like Brother Jerry was tonight. He was ready for this, right? You know? And, you know, so you, you just don't know. you got to be ready. It's like, okay, here's, what's, here's what we're going to do. Sunday, we, I preached on Sunday, had a good time there. I uh, was able to dedicate a few babies. I had no clue that I would be doing that. So it was weird because, so I, uh, this is a funny story. So I had a sermon ready for Sunday morning, right? And then, so it was one single room, and they split the room into three different parts. And they said, all right, you teach this side, you teach that side, and some other person taught in the back. Children's church, one group, two groups, and so I thought, wow, this is cool. I didn't know they did church like this. And so here I am, and I preach my message, right? I preach the message, get done. I'm like, oh, man, I'm ready to go eat now. Then the pastor goes, all right, bring all the chairs back to the middle. And then he brings them all back to the middle, and he comes up to me and says, all right, you ready to preach? I'm like, I, th I, I, I thought I just did. He's like, no, that was Sunday school. I'm like, you didn't tell me that was Sunday school. So I said, those guys are going to get a repeat sermon. I preached the exact same thing that day, and you know what? God used it, all right? And so after the sermon, this, this, uh, the, the, this couple comes up. So the guy's saying something in their language, and then this couple comes up, and they're smiling at me, and they have a baby. And I'm thinking to myself, what is happening right now, you know? So they're coming, smiling, and then they put the baby in my hands. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? And he's like, baby dedication. Oh, baby. Like, I've never done this before. Baby dedication. Okay. So he says, read this verse. I read the verse. Now say something. I'm like, uh, well, God has given you this child, and he has trusted you with this child, and you have a great opportunity here. He has, you know, this is just a on borrow from the Lord, and to try, you know, try to say something good, you know? It was true. Everything I said was true. I meant it. So we get done, we pray, and we're taking pictures and everything. They go sit down, and here comes another couple with another baby. What is this? Baby Another one. <laughs> so I get done with that one. I'm looking around. Is there any more? Can we do them all together? And then another couple stood up, and they were dressed really nice. Like, really nice. Like, the guy had a suit, like one of the few suits I saw over there. And I thought, they were coming to me, and I'm thinking, wow, am I going to marry somebody here too? Like, this is awesome. I've never done this before. Get it all done, in, all this experience at one time. So we had a great Sunday. But that Sunday evening, the Lord, uh, so that Sunday evening, that was our Sunday morning service. Then, of course, we didn't have a night service with that church, so we kind of made our own night service. And so what we did was a friend of mine, actually, I was trying to think, oh, did I do something wrong? Remember, he's still losing his mind. Thank you. Yes, sir. And so our night service, one of our friends, that was myself, a man named Philip Jordan, um, Richard Rousseau and Charles Maxwell, okay? And so Philip, Richard, myself, we had grown up in church. We had come to the seminary. We kind of knew, you know, we kind of thought, you know, we were ahead of the game on this. Charles was kind of the newbie. He was the new guy. And so, you know, we didn't quite give him as much credit as we should have. And so, uh, so he said, you know, and, and one of the things he told me is that he, during this trip, he wanted God to teach him how to, um, to present the Bible. 
So he was new at this, and so he wanted to learn. He was very afraid of just teaching the Bible, even to just a small group. But he said, I feel like I, the Lord wants me to learn how to do this. And so that night, he's, that night he said, since we're not having a night service, can we just gather around? At this point, we were in the hotel because we couldn't take it anymore in that house. By the third night, dripping up sweat, animals crawling all over the place, we said, you know what? Let's get in a hotel, and we paid whatever the cost it was to get in there. And the hotel wasn't any five-star thing. It was just better than the other place, okay? You know? And so, um, but, but we gathered there, and it was like a little patio, um, and so he began to teach. And so here we are, with all due respect, and, you know, Charles knows we've had this conversation many times now, but here we are sitting, and we're like, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, letting him teach, like, go ahead, and, you know, let's see what happens to this. Little did we know that God would use what we thought was the newbie to speak to hearts. So he started talking about Moses, right? Moses in the burning bush. You guys remember that story? Nod up your head up and down if you remember that story. Look at your friend and say, hey, I remember that story and, and wake him up. Say, I remember that story. <laughs> and so you're awake now. And so he starts talking, and he's, and he's talking about the burning bush, and he says, you know how God was telling Moses what he wanted him to do? He says, you're going to go, you're going to free my people, here's what I want you to do. But Moses kept making excuses, but God, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at talking. And he's like, but everything that God would tell Moses to do, Moses had an excuse. And God would fix the excuse, but then Moses would have another excuse. Sounds like your little brother, doesn't it? You know? But then there was one part he said, but at one point, God, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And his truth was this, is that when God's speaking to you, don't wait till the anger of the Lord is kindled against you to respond. Do it long before then. Don't get him upset. But that verse had nothing to do with salvation. But to my friend Richard, he was dealing with something in his heart. And like brother, like pastor said, you don't know what God's going to use, what phrase or how God's going to speak to your heart, but he knows how to get what he wants done. And so Brother Richard opens up to us and he gets, says, guys, I've got to be honest with you, that I've been struggling for who knows how long about my salvation. He said, this verse that God has been dealing with me and I've been asking all day about what this means and I got my answer, and he said, I'm not saved. So right then and there, he starts asking questions to Charles. He's asking questions to Philip, but me, this is weird. I'm sitting down across from him, and I'm sinking in my seat. Because for some reason, I'm feeling this heaviness. And he asked this question about, do you ever feel that way? And I said, right now, Richard, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Now is not the time to talk to me. And I was I wasn't being rude. It was just the truth. I didn't know what was happening in my heart. So long story short, he bows his head there and trusts Christ. I mean, he is crying. I mean, snot, I've never seen snot so long in my life that he is crying. And I got to be honest with you, when he was praying, I didn't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was asking the Lord. I don't know what was happening, to be honest with you, because I didn't understand his words. But it's not for me to understand. He was talking to the Lord. So I go back upstairs, and I'm in my hotel room, and, and he sends a text message and says, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? So I guess he did get saved, Brother Jared. Yes. 
So he got saved, and we're all excited. So we go back down, and he's telling us. And so we recorded him and just, you know, just saying what just happened. And we went into the pool that was right there. You know, there was water. So we went in the pool, and I baptized him. This was exciting. And so we send that video of him saying his testimony and um, the baptism. We send it over to Longview Baptist Temple. Were you there for that service? Yeah. So we send it over there. And Brother Jordan Gray, if you know who he is, he's, he's one of the assistant pastors that does the video booth stuff. And so he, we, we sent him the video. And the service had already started over there. Mind you, this is like late for us, but it was still, because it's a seven, seven hour difference. And so it was their night service had just started. And so we kept telling Jordan, play the video, play the video. Pastor has to play the video. And Pastor almost did not play the video. He thought it was another update from the missions trip. And he was like, I already played that. We don't need that. Not tonight. And Jordan, Brother Jordan was like, no, you got to play this video. So he plays the video. And on the screen, you see Brother Richard telling his story about salvation, his salvation experience, mind you. And at that moment in my spirit, I knew that that service had changed. In the middle, I told the guys, I said, guys, something just happened right now. This, I mean, I, it's weird. It's like, this is, it's something just happened right now. The service is not going to be the same. And then, lo and behold, pastor's like, okay, I don't know what to do from here. The sermon he had prepared to preach, he didn't preach. He asked somebody to go get his other Bible, and he started look, just searching for a sermon. So they were singing songs, and he's like, nope, not that one. Nope, not to keep singing, because I don't know what God's doing, but this, this, this is where he, I'm going to go where he wants me to go. And that night, he preached a sermon on rest. And if you don't believe me, it's on our YouTube page. Go look at it before the first, okay? <laughs> but at that moment, he preached on rest. And as he was preaching, mind you, I was like, maybe that God had it for him. I was okay now. Oh, good. That's, I don't know what it was. But then through pastor's sermon, that if, you're not, if, you, that if you've not entered into his rest, you're probably not saved. Because he has promised rest to those that trust him. And there were several things in that passage, in that sermon, that, that I started feeling this feeling again. This, and, and now I know what it is now. It was conviction. And I kept thinking, no, why is he saying that? No, why is he saying that? No, 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 this can't be. This can't. I was in denial. And then he calls up a deacon. He calls up several people, but there was one deacon. His name was Daniel Woods. And he came up with telling his salvation experience. It was a Sunday morning, how God changed the sermon for pastor again. And pastor felt like he needed to preach on salvation for one of our deacons to get saved. And one of the things that he said caught me. And I think that's what really drove me. He said, I knew that I had to get saved right then and there. And I knew that sermon was for me because if I did not respond, I felt like this. What, what if this is the last time that God deals with me about my salvation? What is the last time that he's going to be just like, he's going to go, you know what? Fine. Fine. You want to do it on your own? Fine. And he said, that was the moment. He said, I got to make that decision. He headed right down for the altar and got saved. 
So all these things, you know, that, that, that God's doing, it's like, what is happening? Why am I feeling this way? This can't be. You know, I'm an assistant pastor. I kind of grew up in this, you know, and it was just all these things that were like, no, this can't be. This can't be. I kept talking myself out to the point where I finally, I went to sleep and I said, I'll just sleep this off. It'll be okay, okay in the morning. This is just something I'm going through. You know, you ever been there? So I set my alarm for the next day. The alarm didn't wake me up, Miss Becky. You know who woke me up? The Lord. Because all of a sudden I'm tossing and turning. I'm tossing and turning and tossing and turning. My heart is just beating out of my chest. You know, I don't know what it's like to have a heart attack, but like if I could imagine, it was that feeling like, what is happening? And I kept tossing and turning. I said, no, it's not even time to get up yet. Why am I tossing and turning? And all of a sudden, it's like the Lord is saying, listen, listen, you're not at rest. You are not at rest. And you would not be here if I didn't put you here. I sent you to Nigeria. I put you in this place. You would not be here if it weren't for me. But then the thought that got me out of bed is, what if this is the last time God's going to speak to me about this subject? When that, when that thought hit me, I'm telling you, Brother Jacob, I got out of bed with no problem, and I went and got alone with the Lord and said, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me. I am done playing this game. I have been in church all my life, and I know your word, and I have preached your word, and everything I preached was truth. The one thing that, that, that really started this downward spiral was what Brother Richard said, how the Bible says that, that, that people will say, haven't we prophesied in thy name and cast out devils and done many wonderful works? And he's going to look and say, depart from me because I never knew you. I was the bus captain. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a junior church worker. I've done all those things, but you know, none of those things take you to heaven. None of those things justify the sin in your life. But I was done. I was done. I was done, Brother Jacob. I didn't care. I didn't care what people thought at that point. Forget pride. Pride was broken down. And I trusted Christ. Praise God for that day. I experienced salvation. And the thing that I believe that was holding me back from making this decision was my pride. What will that person think? What will my friend think? What will the pastor think? What will my wife think? But you know, at that point, I did not care because what they thought wasn't worth me going to hell. If God's dealing with you with your salvation, I don't know who it is. I don't know what's going on in your life. But let me tell you something. Don't let pride send you to hell. When I got saved, I'm telling you something, man, that when the Bible talks about peace that passeth all understanding, I thought I knew what that was, but until I experienced salvation, at that moment, I felt that peace. People ask me, what changed in your life when you got saved? I can tell you something, everything changed, but the thing that happened immediately was peace. It was rest. Do you have peace? Are you at rest? At some point, you have to be done playing church. I went to church. I taught the classes, and everything I taught was truth. But it wasn't his. And you got one life. And you may not have the rest of this evening. I thank God that he allowed me to live long enough to see the day of salvation.
and then the next day. And of course, that day, that day I went down. Actually, I went to my friend Philip. Went to their room to tell Richard and Philip about what happened. And I sat on the bed and I told them. And now Philip, now it's Richard who had just gotten baptized, was baptizing me. Pretty crazy, huh? I got saved and baptized in Nigeria at the pool. I want to go back there and swim in it now. Actually, I think that's what we did. We, got, we, we made the video, we baptized, and then we said, ah, we're already wet. Let's just... <laughs> but then the next day, to me, it was like, God, is this real? Like, God, this is amazing. I, this peace I've never felt in my life before. But then, you, you don't know if you've ever been there. It's like, Lord, just tell me something through your word. Show me that this was real. Let me know what just happened. And if I've signed your Bible, you'll see I, I signed it, uh, Hebrews 10, 23. Holding fast the profession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. Amen. I have a Bible app. Yeah, I know, I was, I was connected still. I was in the hotel, they had Wi-Fi. But I asked the Lord, show me something. He showed me that verse. And ever since he showed me that verse, it made it real in my life. Because now that was, to this day, I remember and I still say that I have no reason to doubt anymore. You know why? Because to doubt is to call him a liar. Because I trusted his promise. I trusted his promise and to doubt is to call him a liar. And people say, well, the devil makes me doubt. And I think it's just the devil. Let me tell you something. The devil is a deceiver. And why why would he want to reveal to you that you're not saved? I don't believe the devil's going to make you doubt. He's a deceiver. He wants you to think you're saved. Because if you think you're saved, you think you're okay, and you don't need it. You don't need this sermon. And let me tell you something. Ever since I got saved, the joy, the, the peace, the joy of salvation... I had a sincere desire, Pastor, to go to the Word, and, and, and I just wanted to, I, so I wanted Christ so bad. I was like, God, I want to know more what you have to say. Singing in church was so different for me. It weren't just songs and words that we sing to pass the time. No, they had depth. They had meaning. To the point, I've never cried like I have cried in my life after that. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have joy? Or are you, do you have rest? Or are you at unrest? Maybe you can't smile because you don't know what it's like to have that joy. This world to give you temporal joy. There's pleasures and sin for a season, but joy in Christ for a lifetime. But I cannot make you accept it. You have to want it. And nobody can get saved for you. You have to get saved. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your status is in your church. It doesn't matter what ministries you do. That we all have a soul. And you're either saved or you're lost. So what do I encourage you to do? One, the Bible says examine yourself. Examine yourself. Are you a child of God? If you're feeling that conviction like me, don't discard it. The Bible says today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. Amen. That's right. But examine yourself. 
So what's going on with your world? And so, you know, for me, and I said this before, that I used to think it's because I, maybe I've not been as into my Bible as I should. I have not been praying for my brothers like I should. Maybe I haven't been going to church like I should, but you no, 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 examine your stuff. Let's start with salvation and then work on those things. And that was my problem. I never started at the top where it mattered most. I, I started with this. And once again, you can be religious but not related. Yes, you come to church every week. Yes, you have your Bible. You dress, you dress to dress. You talk to talk. You walk to walk. But it's religion. I talked to somebody at the hotel today. And, brother, I need to get you to go over there. I'm going to give her your information. But I talked to her and told her what I was doing. And she was going to try to have her teenager come today. I don't think she made it. But she told me, she said, there's no peace in my life. There's no peace here. And I've been looking for a church. I go to this church, some Guadalupe church, a Catholic church. And she said, but I go because that's what my grandparents did. I said, you go out of tradition? Yes. That's religious. She goes, I go out of tradition, but I want more. Some of you probably know exactly what that feels like. You've been coming to church out of tradition, but you know you want more. Examine yourself. Search the scriptures. The people that I've talked to have gotten saved. They'll say, you know what? When I got saved, I went to the scripture. And God showed me I wasn't saved. He'll show you. Examine yourself. Are you his? Does he know you? Does, does he know you? Are you going to be one that says, haven't we prophesied in thy name and cast out devils? Didn't I go to church every Sunday? Didn't I teach in that junior church? Didn't I, didn't I lead people to the Lord? Didn't I do all these things for you? And he's going to go, yeah, you did, and I'm thankful for it, but who are you again? For me, don't you know I was a pastor's son-in-law? Don't you know? It's like, it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter anything. I've heard of testimonies of pastors getting saved from their own sermons. Talk about having to put some pride down. Examine yourself. Do you have peace? Do you have rest? And my goal today is nothing but this. One, if you're not saved, to get saved. If you don't have that rest, get that rest. If you don't have that peace, get that peace. But if you are saved, then as a reminder that this is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. You know, for me, when I wasn't saved, these kind of sermons bugged me. These kind of sermons was like, oh, if I can just make it through. Sounds bad, but I'm just being honest with you. That pride was so real. Because in my heart, I didn't think it was salvation. I thought it was something else. But then I thought, well, if I go, maybe I just need to go. Maybe I just need to go and get, get this over with. I don't like the way this feels. But then what are people going to think of me? But now when I hear these sermons, Brother Jerry, like, I love it. And I have had more conversations about my salvation with more people than ever in my life. Brother, you was in my class, and we talked about death a lot. I love it. And I'd like to bring some testimonies here real quick, if I could. Ms. Rebecca, would you mind sharing a quick testimony? Are these mics on? Is there a mic that's on? Yes. Let's start. 
so I haven't been honest with like most of the people. Only some people know my story, and Brother Josh is one of them. Another one is my parents, and another one is Sadi. Just yeah. so um, I haven't said this because I felt like people were gonna judge me for it, just like Brother Josh is saying. Uh, I didn't want to tell anybody because I felt like they were going to judge me for what I did coming back from Longview when I got baptized. Um, but that there was this day, which was October 15, which was it's just Armando's birthday, so it's a, it's a good day to memorize. Uh, Brother Josh was teaching the class for teleology, which is study of... Uh, Heaven, hell, and death, right? How he said. And I don't know why, but that whole week, he noticed that there was something wrong. He would always ask, are you okay? You Are you all right? I'll be like, yeah, I'm good. You know, just tired. Because, I mean, college people know we get tired, right? And uh, I would just give him that excuse of like, yeah, I'm tired of uh, work, classes, and all that. Um, but then that day... I, I told him the truth. I was like, hey, brother, can we talk? And so we sat, and we, we were talking, and I was telling him, I was like, I was like, brother, uh, I was like, this week I haven't been honest with you. And he was like, okay. And I was like, so I told him, I was like, I was like, I, I feel like the Lord has been picking on me. Like, he's been trying to tell me something. But since because of what I feel, um, I pushed that to the side, just like how he was saying. So I was like, ah, maybe I'll just like sleep it off. Maybe I'll just take my mind off it, right? And I'll be away. And but that day, I I just I couldn't take it anymore. So I told him, I was like, brother, uh, the Lord's been picking me. And he's like, okay, what is it about? I was like, salvation. I was like, that's weird. I was like, I, it can't be salvation because I mean I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I came from Longview. I made that promise. And brother Josh was like, okay. And he was like, he was like, then why are you feeling this? I was like, I don't know. I was like, he's ticking, like he's, he just keeps poking me and poking me, and it's about that. And every time he would talk about salvation, I felt goosebumps. Like, I felt goosebumps. Every time he would talk about the rapture, I felt goosebumps. Every time he would talk about the second death, I would feel goosebumps. So for me, I was confused because I didn't know, like, all the people here knew. They saw me getting baptized. They saw me doing all this stuff. And it hurt to know that, you know, the Lord was doing this to me. But like Brother Josh said, I needed to do something because what if the Lord would have just left it away? What if it would have been, you know what, all right, I'm just going to give up on you and just let you live your life. Maybe you'll worry about it later, but I'm not going to help you. So I took that decision. I was talking to Brother Josh, and I was like, Brother Josh, what do I do? So he told me, he's like, I honestly think that you should talk with the Lord. You just have a talk with the Lord. So after that class, we have a break, right? So we have like 10 minutes, 15 minutes break before classes. So I'm always on my phone and all that after that. I was like, you know what? I ran to my dorm, went to my dorm. I got on my knees, and I just started praying. And out of nowhere, I just started crying, like heart crying. Like I was just weeping. Just It was like bad. And I was just, just, and then what's funny is that there's someone, his name is Brother Robinson. He always checks the dorms to see if they're clean and all that. So he walks in, and I heard him. I didn't open my eyes, but I heard him walk in, and I heard him say, oops. And then he closes the door because he saw me crying. So I just, you know, I just kept praying to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, what does this mean? You know, what, what are you doing here? Like, I, I hear you, and I'm, I'm like, I'm listening. I'm worthy of listening. 
So that day, I just let it all to the Lord, and I just, you know, I could finally say with confidence and with faith that that's actually the final day. Now I could actually put that day on my Bible, and I could say that that's the day that I got saved. And it's amazing to uh, just everybody. And I'm sorry that I haven't told, you know, my church, my pastor, but it's just hard because of what he said and that, you know, um, I just feel like I was going to be judged. But he said, I shouldn't be ashamed of it. I should be proud of it. So thank you for everything. Thank you. And I understand that fear because when I talked to my pastor, and I told him, I said, look, if this means I have to go back to UPS, then fine. He said, no, sir, you still have a job. Good. I said, I, was, I, I didn't care at that moment. If I got to go work a second job and work my way back in, I'll do it. Miss Rebecca. Is it on? Okay. Um, so it was, um, I was going to say January. It was June 25th um, during Longview. I remember Pastor, Pastor, I remember Brother Josh, um, he was preaching, preaching about salvation and that we sometimes have so much pride. Like we always think of like what everybody thinks, like our friends, our parents, our pastor, our church. Like we are scared to admit that that we're not like we're feeling that we're not saved um for a while i had been feeling that i wasn't saved and pastor would always i would always hear him every sunday saying if you're not saved come to the altar but i was i was always trying to fight it like i was trying to ignore it i was just like no like um i don't want to go like to the altar and tell them that i'm not saved like i don't i i i just had too much pride i especially because I would always say I'm saved, so I couldn't take that back. But as he was preaching about salvation that day, I just felt something in me telling me, like, this is the time, because um, I have felt this way for a long time, and, I mean, like he said, you never know when it's your last chance. God is not always going to speak with you, and he can get mad, and you never know. It could be your last day, tomorrow's not promised, or... 10 minutes later from now, and nothing's promised. And um, I just remembered he was preaching about salvation, and I, I came to the altar, and now I just started crying. And at that moment, I didn't care what nobody thought. Like, I didn't, like, y'all, I didn't care about being judged. It was about me and going to heaven, because I'd rather go to heaven than be judged here. And, um, I mean, I just thank Brother Josh because I also, you were saying the same testimony about Nigeria. You, you talked about that over there. And it just opened my eyes. And I mean, if you're not sure, you should um, be saved because um, it's just, it's a wonderful feeling. I, I was just crying. And as soon as I said those words, of that prayer, I felt like something was off my shoulders and I had peace. And I mean, if you want peace, that's the answer. And yes. And if I could say this, the Lord's going to have his way. And we were talking before at the dinner table and she told me, if I'm okay to say this, she said, I was a rebel. And I said, you? Everyone else is laughing now. And she said, I was a rebel, but I got saved. Things changed. 
And to see you singing that song, I mean, I'm looking at you thinking about what we just talked about. It's like, man, there's a different way you sing when you're saved and on your way to heaven, when you realize that you trust Christ. And some of you, maybe you have trusted Christ, but you've removed yourself far from that day. You need to re remember what happened that day. I would like one more testimony, and we'll end it from there. And I do believe God's going to have his work. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, when my husband was talking about um, being in Nigeria, um, the service that he was talking about that Sunday night when they were watching the live stream, um, it was it was a crazy service. I don't mean like crazy, like charismatic crazy, but um, it was just you could feel the Holy Spirit moving, and it was I had never been in a service like that in my entire life, and I was born and raised in church, and many of you know what that's like. Um, church can become so routine, and then it's like when the Holy Spirit moves, it's like, wow, what is this? Um, and for me, I'm sitting through the service, and I saw the way that the service had changed, and um, my dad had had someone go grab his Bible, and he kept flipping through it, and then the video, and then he started with testimonies, um, like he said, from some of our deacons who had recently gotten saved. And I had this strange, strange feeling like I had never felt in a service before. Um, not only the Holy Spirit, it being obvious that he was working, but um, just this, my heart was pounding out of my chest. And I was like, wow, this, what is this feeling? Um, and I thought, I remember thinking to myself, wow, if I didn't, if I wasn't already saved, I would think I needed to get saved. I had no, no clue what was going on in Nigeria. We had, you know, we weren't in communication during this time because we were in church. Um, and I thought they would have been asleep. So um, just the Holy Spirit was obviously working on two different sides of the world. Um, and so I remember um, when, in retrospect, I, I remember thinking that thought. Um, so a year, 11 months had passed from the time that my husband had gotten saved. Um, I had rejoiced with him, and, you know, he had explained what he was feeling and how had God had changed, and I, and I saw the change in him. Um, and this September, we took a trip. Um, our church was helping with a church plant up in Kansas, um, and several of our members and families went up there. Um, everything leading up to that, I had, honestly, I made excuses for why our family couldn't go on the trip, and looking back, I just... I'm ashamed to say, but I was, you know, it's going to be a long trip for the kids, you know, we don't have the money, and God just, he opened every single door to get us to Kansas, um, and so we were there for the weekend. On Friday, we showed up, helped do some work around the new church, um, and several of our church families were there. Um, that Friday night, we were just going to get stuff at Walmart and go to the hotel and just, you know, eat sandwiches for dinner. Um, and so my husband gets a text from one of the men in our church that says, hey, I would like your family to come to dinner with us. And so we did, and there were several other families at the restaurant. And we sat across from the man who had invited us and his wife. Um, and she had gotten saved earlier this year. And she started talking about her testimony and I, and one phrase that she said that my husband also, you know, says a lot from the Bible in Corinthians is that it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. And she quoted that verse and she said, she just really examined herself. And when she said that, it pierced my heart. And I was like, oh, I, 
what is this feeling? Like, why does that verse bother, bother me? I've heard it so many times my whole life. And um, my daughter had to go to the restroom. And the more the lady kept talking about her salvation, I was so happy to get away from the table. I'm like, oh, my daughter has to go to the bathroom. I have to take her. And so um, as I'm standing waiting on my daughter, I prayed. And I said, Lord, I don't know why salvation, all of a sudden, my heart, I would think it was conviction. And um, I'm like, well, just show me. When I go back to the table, if it is salvation, just show me. You know, I had professed um, salvation when I was a teenager. And um, I went back to the table, and she just kept talking, talking, talking about salvation. And I was thinking, wow, this lady does not ever stop talking about her salvation. Like, okay, yeah, I'm happy for you, but let's talk about normal stuff, not salvation. That was my thought. And so um, I started, like, getting fidgety and just, oh, I wish dinner would be over with. And so we finally left, and, you know, I just put it out of my mind. And then Saturday morning, we met at the church before we went out um, inviting people to the church. And one of our new families, they had just barely been in our church maybe a month or two, they came on this trip. And I had never actually met them till this trip. And the man was praying before we went out, and he said, Lord, he was praying for us to meet many people out while we were inviting people for the big day. And he said, Lord, if there is someone here that is dealing with their salvation, help them to get it settled. And I got so mad in my spirit. I was like, how dare he? Like, who does he think he is praying that somebody here needs salvation? He doesn't know what I'm dealing with. And uh, it was like the Lord's like, here's your sign. And so um, we went throughout our day inviting people to church. I put it on my mind again. And then I'm like, then I found out I was going to be in junior church. And one of our friends, Philip, was um, going to be doing junior church. And I was like, okay, Lord, I still don't, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I should have known by then. But is this a salvation issue? And um, sure enough, in junior church, Philip preached on the conversion of Saul. Um, and I had thought this is going to be mostly our kids that were bringing a, maybe a few visitors. And when he talked about Paul being struck by a light and he was knocked off his horse, um, once again, I got really upset in my spirit. And I'm like, oh, why would he say that? And we were in the basement of the church. And the, the door was right behind me, the back door. And I was like, I could just leave, like get out of here because I don't want to hear what he has to say. And so um, it, was, it was the craziest thing. And I still was like, this isn't good enough, God. Like, okay, you've shown me this many times. It's still not good enough. And so I was like, okay, give me another sign. So then after the morning service is over, we met again together again with just the people that were there from our church. And um, the pastor of the church, he just read some scripture, and he started talking about God's grace. And um, it, once again, I wanted to run out of the church saying, I don't know why he's saying this. Um, and so through all of that, God used four different people in my life to bring, to show me that it was salvation that I needed. And through this whole thing, I'd never thought it was anything else um, because I had grown up in church and I knew all the right answers. And I think we were talking about this at dinner tonight is we knew all the right, I knew all the right answers. I knew the Romans road. I, I had prayed a prayer when I was a teenager but I knew it didn't come from my heart, and it was not the words of a prayer that saved me, but I realized that it had to come from my heart, and I had to believe with my heart um, that I needed Christ. And I realized that, yes, I had a great upbringing, but I had to put aside 
my self-righteousness and my pride because honestly I had lived my life and, and sometimes it's easy if if you have grown up in the ministry or around the church that you can look at other people and think well I'm good and they're bad I'm part of the good crowd and these kids they're doing all these things that they shouldn't do and I'm still doing what's right but it was self-righteousness that was the biggest sin in my life was the self-righteousness and the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags God looks at us, and he sees no matter how good we are. We bring our goodness to him. It's as filthy rags. And when I realized that, and I put down my pride and thought, you know, everything in my heart, all the being judgmental of other people and, and thinking that I was better than others, that was just as horrible of sin as anything that all of us would agree that would be a wicked sin. And it took me two days after that trip to come to that realization, and I didn't even know what to say. I just, like Brian was saying, I just started talking to the Lord and pouring my heart out to him and telling him that I am putting all of this before you, all my self-righteousness, all my pride, all my sin in my life and in my heart, and I put my 100% trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and I had to put aside the fact that, yes, I'm going to have to stand before my church, and I, and I will be getting baptized, and that I can't worry about what anybody else thinks, because I don't want to go to hell for anybody. When I stand before God, it's not going to be, oh, well, you were too afraid because of all these reasons, but when I put down my pride and my self-righteousness and brought myself before the Lord and said, I'm trusting you as my Savior, and I'm putting aside who I am, what I know about the Bible, and I'm coming to you as a sinner and putting my trust in you, and, and it, has been, it has been a wonderful journey, and I would just say, please, don't let pride and self-righteousness self -righteousness get in the way, and I think so many people have said that, you know, pride is a big factor, so... I hope those have encouraged you. I hope those have blessed you. And I really hope those, once again, I do believe God knows what he's doing. My wife came and told me she got saved. i got to be honest with you. She knocked on my door, my office, and she opens it, and she's crying. And I thought, what did I do? <laughs> I'm thinking either what did I do or who do I need to go see, you know? But she says I get saved, and I was like, Talk about what wonderful news. What wonderful news to hear that my wife is saved. What wonderful news it is to hear, Brian. I got a brother. You know? Those are, those are good things, and we should be rejoicing with people. And if you're one that is to judge, I call you a Pharisee because that's what the Pharisees did. We should be welcoming those. Those that get saved, praise God for that. Amen. But let me read one more verse. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 39. You guys have been so kind. I know you're tired. John chapter 4, verse 39. I think tired is probably an understatement. John chapter 4, verse 39. Of course, this is shortly after woman, the woman at the well, the conversation that took place there. 
I want you to read this. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which, what's the word? Testified. He told me all that I ever did. You heard a couple of testimonies tonight. And all they did was testify of what Christ did. And so when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Now what is that next verse? And many more, what? Believed of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we, what? Believe. Here's this. Not because of thy saying. You catching this? For we have heard him, what? One more time, we had heard him what? Ourselves. Everyone, uh, what? Ourselves. Ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, Savior of the world. The testimonies that you heard tonight, I don't believe you get saved because of a testimony. Your testimony does not have to be like hers, like mine, like Brother Brian, like Brother Jared, like, does not have to be, you don't fit your experience inside somebody else's box, no. Your experience is unique to you. And all these testimonies do is point to a man. Let me tell you what this man did for me. Let me tell you what he's still doing for me. The joy that has come. The confidence that I have in the faith. I am in Christ. And I have no fear of hell. I have no fear of hell. It's just to point people so you can go find Christ for yourself. You lived off somebody else's faith, but until you make it your faith. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One or two things is happening in this room. One, the Lord's speaking to your heart. And for you not to respond, selfish. If you're not saved. But if you're saved, this is a joy. Because you're reminded of that experience. And let me tell you something. I have told more people about my salvation experience. And when I go and I witness and I go soul winning... I'm no longer just going down the Romans road. I'm telling them what happened to me. And let me show you from the word how it can happen to you. He's right there. We have all offended Christ. And we're on our way to hell because we have offended Christ. But because of Jesus. When I tell somebody about going to heaven, they said, okay. I said, okay, here's God, right? Sin happened. We were together, right? Sin happened. And all what happened to that relationship, broken, right? That relationship with God was broken. That sin separated us. So we were condemned to hell. But God loved us so much. You know the story that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus comes. We just celebrated the birth of a Savior. Praise God for that birth. Amen. Because if there wasn't a birth, there wouldn't be a death. If there wasn't a death, there wouldn't be a resurrection. Without the res resurrection, there would be no hope. And Jesus Christ came to reconnect us. 
our sin has offended God. And when I tell someone, realizing what our sin has done to us, that is sending us to hell, that the, the sadness that it brings in our life, the misery, and to realize that what our sin did to Jesus Christ, to me, I've offended God. And Brother Samuel, if I have offended you, okay, you're my friend. We have become friends in like two days. But if I have offended you, right, and we're friends, I need to make things right, right? That's the only way to fix this relationship is I have to make it right. Now, if I send Jacob, say, hey, Jacob, can you go tell Samuel I'm sorry? Is that good enough? Should Samuel accept that apology? No, okay. So how about if Jacob brought me and took me over to Samuel, right? And Jacob looked at me and said, all right, Josh, now here's what you say. Samuel, okay, Samuel, I, I am, is that, is that good enough? The only way to restore that relationship is for me to come to myself and to tell you I've offended you. I have wronged you. And I am no more worthy to be called your friend. But would you accept me back? At that point, would he accept that apology? When it comes to Christ, you don't need me to lead you in a prayer. Because in your heart, you know. Nobody led me in a prayer. Nobody led her in a prayer. Nobody led her, him in a prayer. No. But the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and confession is made unto salvation. And if you in your heart believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He is the Savior, and He you believe that you are not saved, you've not put your trust in Him, and you believe, come confess that. Ask for forgiveness. Tell Him you're sorry. And put your faith and trust in Him. How about it? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've said it over the phone to Miss Becky, and I told my wife this afternoon, I said, you know, they were telling me that, yeah, we normally have a full house, but, you know, I said, God knows who needs to be here. Invitation is this. One, if the Lord has convicted you about your salvation, whether he has convicted you, like Brother Brian said, that I am not saved. Or you have questions, you're feeling like Brother Brian was talking about how, I'm not quite sure, my wife was saying the same thing. And you have questions, and you would like someone to talk to you about it. Please come down forward. And any youth workers, any of those leaders in here, if you see any of your teenagers, friends, if you see someone that is down here, please come talk to them about their salvation. Right now, the invitation is for those that if God has spoken to your heart and for the first time in your life, you're willing to put down that pride and say, you know what? I'm not saved. Or you have questions. You're not sure what you're feeling or what the, what that, what, what is, what, what's going on. Let someone talk to you. Perhaps you are saved. And through Scripture, someone can talk to you. But your relationship is strained. 
there are people at the altar. If you see anybody in here by themselves, if you are willing to help, if you can come down and pray with one of them. There's no shame. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth shall not be ashamed. Talking to Rebecca at the table, I can tell there was no shame. Talking to my wife, there's no shame. Talking to Brian, he was not ashamed to tell you. And for those of you that are sitting in the pews, what's your relationship like with the Lord? He has been so good to you. When's the last time you thanked him for that salvation and thanked him for his goodness? How about it? What's going on in your world? No shame. My prayer tonight was that God has his way, young and old. You don't get saved because your story doesn't line up with somebody else's story. You get saved because you find Christ for yourself. All testimonies are are nothing but pointing to him, pointing to the one that can give you that peace. Let God have his way. If you're sitting in the pew and God is still working on your heart, or maybe there's something else that God has worked on your heart this past week, the solitary place that you've not set that time with him. Maybe you've not been as thankful of how good God has been to you. Maybe the idea of the fact that God has been so good to you, that what sin is in your life that you need to surrender and give back, give to the Lord? you need help with. Or perhaps you've not surrendered. And when I say surrender, it's a daily surrender. It's a moment-by-moment surrender. You've not yielded yourself to Christ. Let the one who wrote the plan for your life do what he does best. Let him have you.